God's word this morning is from 2 Chronicles chapter 17, verses 1 through 6. Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. He placed forces in all the fortified cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim that Asa, his father, had captured. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the earlier ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the practices of Israel. Therefore, the Lord established the kingdom in his hand and all Judah brought tributes to Jehoshaphat and his great riches and honor. His heart was courageous in the ways of the Lord. And furthermore, he took the high places and the Asherim out of Judah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God, I'm thankful, Lord, that you are our Father and you have our best interest at heart. And Lord, you always have, you always will. Lord, you're so good. I thank you for your word, God, that we've already heard Betty read this morning. Thank you for your promises and the truths, Lord, that you give us in them. Lord, I pray as we hear your word preached, God, that you would speak, that your Holy Spirit would move. I thank you for what you're doing, God. I thank you for how you're moving, how you're working. I pray that you would continue, God, to work in hearts and lives, Lord, online, in this room. Lord, as we move forward in the next couple weeks, God, things are different. Lord, I pray that you would continue, Lord, to be known, make your name known. Lord, we love you. We worship in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, team. Beautiful music uh, this morning. Uh, love the words and uh, the sound, too. So good. Uh, they're called in counseling often father wounds, things our dads did or didn't do that uh, wounded us as children. They may have been intentional or unintentional, but they wounded us doesn't mean that there aren't also mother wounds. They both exist. But like it or not, our parents indelibly shaped us. They shaped you, good or bad. They left their mark. In most cases, not all, there are unacceptable parents. You sort through your parents' decisions, and then you decide to parent the same, or almost always just a tad differently. Every kid evaluates and says, I think I'll keep this. I think I'll discard this. I think I'll do it this way, and I won't do it that way. That's just normal. If you're a thinking kid, you look at your parents, however good uh, they were or not, and you decide how you will raise your own kids. Jehoshaphat becomes king and has to make very similar decisions. His dad... Asa died. That's what verse 1 says. Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. Uh, what kind of king would he be? Second Chronicles 17 through 20 covers the reign of Jehoshaphat, and that's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. We will look at this king who reigned in quite a turbulent time. The mid-800s B.C. was when he reigned, and when Jehoshaphat reigned, he did so a hundred or so years after the unthinkable 
unthinkable happened in Israel. Israel, this wonderful nation blessed by God that God raised up, is now divided into two countries. There is Israel to the north and Judah to the south. So from now on in Scripture, in 2 Chronicles, 1 and 2 are a bit confusing. They're placed with historical books in the Old Testament, so you see them early on. But 1 and 2 Chronicles are probably among the latest, or they are among the latest and may be the latest book written in the Old Testament. Some scholars believe to be written by Ezra. And, and so First and Second Chronicles are written a hundred years after the events happen, and they reflect back on them. And so here you have this writing about these kings and uh, what they're doing, and it is not a fun time to be a king. Uh, the nation of Israel is in uh, uh, dire straits. Wickedness reigns in the north. In both kingdoms, there's a succession of kings, and in the southern kingdom, or Judah, they're all descendants of David. And so, Jehoshaphat is one of them. His dad's name was Asa, a good king until the end. And when Asa got to the end of being king, he did not reign faithfully. He swerved. During his kingship, he led spiritual reforms. He did some pretty remarkable things, but he did not finish well. So how will Jehoshaphat start after a bad finish? That's what Judah waits to see when he is coronated. When he becomes king, how will his beginning be in light of his father's finish? And I would say to you and to me this morning that we have a responsibility to begin, if you're young and listening, well, regardless of how your father finished or is finishing. And we'll discover, dads, from this some critical principles for leading our families in tumultuous times in our context. How do we lead today? So dads, we are going to jump into this, and they're simple things. Number one, seek God's ways. Jehoshaphat, his son, Asa's son, reigned in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. He placed forces in all the fortified cities of Ju Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim that Asa's father had captured. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat, because he walked in the earlier ways, notice how he's choosing the earlier ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the practices of Israel to the north. He fortified his country. He's a good king. He's protecting. That's his job. Dads, it's our job too. We are to provide spiritually, emotionally, and physically for our families. It is our task to protect and provide still today in 2020. 
regardless of the cultural shifts and the cultural swings and the thoughts that may be pervasive in our culture today, the call to men, to fathers, has not been abandoned by the word of God nor by God himself. God has called us to blaze the trail as fathers and to provide spiritually and physically and emotionally for our children. Verses three and four, the Lord was with him because he walked in the earlier ways of his father, David. I'm gonna go back to verses 11 and 12 of chapter 16. The Acts of Asa from first to last are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was diseased in his feet, and his disease became severe. Yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but sought help from doctors, from the physicians. Asa had gotten to a place where he was wise in his own eyes. The wisdom he had gained with age gave way to arrogance, gave way to self-centered self-supporting behavior. Jehoshaphat decides not to go that route. I would say this, when you cannot follow your earthly father, follow your heavenly father. When you cannot follow your earthly father, you have a heavenly father who is worth emulating. Follow him. He sought God. To seek is to tread frequently, to beat a path. Jehoshaphat beat a path to God. If your life group is meeting through the summer, one of the questions you're going to wrestle with this week is how do you beat a path to God? What are practical ways of seeking God in which you engage as a life group or as, as a person? You'll talk about this in your life group. The answer for Jehoshaphat is found in verse 4. He walked in God's commandments not according to the practices of Israel. I would just say to you, if you walk according to the commandments of God, you will have to walk against the ways of the world. You cannot walk in God's commandments and walk in the ways of the world simultaneously. You cannot have your cake and eat it too. You cannot be godly. You cannot live a holy life and live a haphazard life at the same time. Those are glaringly inconsistent. I would ask you, what are the well-worn paths in your life? So I'm going to do as the old-fashioned people say, meddle a little bit. Does your Bible wear out faster than your boat? That's probably a good question. Do your knees hurt from bending in prayer more than bending to make your golf swing or ride on your bike? That's probably a riveting question for us men. So what did God do? Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand. Who you seek will determine who seeks you. Who you seek will determine who seeks you. This is a principle that you must, you must grasp. You must this goes right along with the saying I heard a few years ago from our superintendent. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. 
Who you seek determines who will seek you. Look at verse, if we go back to 2 Chronicles 16.9, Chronicles you'll see it at home on the screen. You'll see it here on the screen. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to do what? Give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. God's eyes are looking. He longs to support you. He longs to lend his strength to you, his wisdom to you, his arm to you. God is looking for people to lean into. Who you seek will determine who seeks you. So what did Jehoshaphat do? Verse 6, his heart was courageous in the ways of the Lord, and furthermore, he took the high places and the ashram out of Judah. Ashram, plural of Asherah. Asherah was a goddess. So what, what these uh, 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 folks did, these, these folks who were to be worshiping the one true God, what did they do? They would take a, uh, a, a stick, a, a trunk, maybe strip it of everything, or they would uproot it and plant it in another place, and they would strip all of its branches off to where that, and they would put it in a high place, and it was there. They were called ashram poles. And they would go to those high places and there worship this goddess, Asherah. There was much sensuality and sexuality involved. Prostitution, fortune-telling was all part of it, part and parcel of everything that was going on. And Jehoshaphat got rid of it. He routed it out. He instead beat a path to God while people were beating paths to Asherah poles. He beat a path to God. If we're going to lead well these days, we must ourselves seek God and teach our, teach our families to do. Number two, teach God's word. In the third year of his reign, he sent his officials, Levites, priests. He basically took the temple staff and sent them out. It's fascinating all right, so we thought we were all cool doing Facebook Live, but Jehoshaphat was way ahead of us. What did he do for all the people who could come to the temple? Well, he just deployed the priest. He deployed the Levites, the worship leaders. He sent them out. This is nothing new. What we've done for weeks is nothing new. All of you who are joining us online, it's nothing new. This is what Jehoshaphat did. For everybody who couldn't come to the temple, he went city by city by city by city, and he sent teaching crews and worship crews, and he held the first Billy Graham crusade in all the cities, right? This is what he did. This is in 850. 50, 60, 70 B.C., you've got traveling revival services happening all over the place. As reform is happening, God is at work. This word teach is interesting. It means to provoke someone so as to stimulate some action or reaction. The aim of biblical teaching is not information. It's transformation. It's not so you can stuff your heads with all kinds of knowledge and in some way impress others with what you know. No, it does not matter what you know or what I know. What matters is what I do. What do I do with what I know? 
That's what's critical. That's why one of our values here at Grace is heart change that leads to life change. Your lives ought to be different. When I think through our church and how God is doing this, I think through a family right now whose life God is rocking their world. Chad and Crystal Marsh. I love the change that is happening in that family. The growth. Alex, their son, is a new intern here at Grace. Chad and Crystal have joined a life group. Just the, the life change, the, the drastic difference, the togetherness of this family around the Word of God early at the beginning of COVID-19. Chad sends me a picture, and it's Alex, his son, at a table, at their kitchen table. Cousins are over, and Alex is leading all of them to study the Word of God together. Alex leads a life group here. God is at work in their lives. They are why we exist as a church. What counts to us is changed lives. Not nominative, nominative people who are, who are uninvolved in their world, but people who God is sending out to make a difference. Parents, please hear me. It's easy to fall into this. While knowing verses, books of the Bible, information is very important. It's very important however many verses your kids can memorize. I memorized loads growing up. There's all good about that. I still memorize scripture today. There's all good about that. But if it does not lead to life change, it is of little value. Why? You have informed without reforming. You have taught without transforming. You have goaded without godliness. You want to turn somebody away from church and God? Goad them without living godly in front of them. They'll call you a hypocrite, and they should. Thirdly, enjoy God's blessings. We've got to enjoy. God gives us things to enjoy. Look at verse 10, and the fear of the Lord. Well, I must say, uh, Betty owes me, because when we, Betty read scripture this morning, and when we, when we were in staff this week saying, okay, what, how much scripture should they read all of 17? I went to verse 7. Look in your Bibles at verse 7. I said, we can't do that to Betty. Those names are unreal. Betty could have slayed those names, I know that. But they're unreal. Betty's giving me a thumbs up. But, but these are all the folks who went out. These are all, that's the staff who went out, led the crusades all over the, all over the country. But then something happened to people around Jehoshaphat. And the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the lands that were around Judah. And they made no war against Jehoshaphat. You know what I find fascinating about this? This was not a power play on his part. He fortified the cities. He took care of his own. But he didn't flex his muscle. Please hear me. In the craziness of our day-to-day, -day, power will not get us where we need to be. 
And for a follower of Jesus, our power has been in Christ from day one. The answer to the ills of our world is not that one group has power over another. That is not the answer. Look what happened. You say, well, why? Why would this happen? Proverbs 16, 7, perhaps we've forgotten this today in all of our rhetoric. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Some of you say, well, that's not happened to me all the time. Proverbs don't happen all the time. Incidentally, I don't want to jump into a whole another exegetical argument, but the book of Proverbs are probabilities. They aren't promises. It's just more likely than not when your ways please the Lord, your enemies will be at peace with you. Verse 12 is so surprising. Some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and silver for tribute, and the Arabians also brought him 7,700 rams and 7,700 goats, and Jehoshaphat grew steadily greater. His enemies, the Philistines. Who were the Philistines? They were Judah and Israel's arch enemies. You see, the Philistines were sea peoples. I know some of you have just gotten back from the ocean, and some of you are watching us from the beach right now, and you love it, and as do I. I love the ocean. I love the beach, but Israel, not so much. They're not fond of the sea, nor are they fond of the water. As a matter of fact, when you read the book of Revelation, it says there will be no more sea. It's because Israel, they hate it. Why? Their arch enemy came across the sea, the Mediterranean Sea. They were called Pelists, and from that we get Philistines. They were sea peoples, and they came and they settled all along the Mediterranean Sea, which was where the trade route was, coming from Egypt all the way over to Mesopotamia. And so they interrupted that trade route all the time. They wreaked havoc. They, they think Samson, think Delilah, think Goliath. These are Philistines, right? Think all of that that Samson wasn't, but Delilah was. Think of all of that that's going on. These are the people who bring gifts to Jehoshaphat. Their bitterest enemy brought them gifts. All right, so I'm a Gamecocks fan, right? That would be like a Clemson fan trying to give something good to me. That just seems so counterintuitive, This is what is happening here, right? Carolina Duke, just think of like these small little microcosmic things that that we make fun of, but these are bitter enemies. And they look and say, something's happening there. So what did he do with the gifts? Look at him. He built fortresses and store cities. Don't miss Jehoshaphat. There's nothing of selfishness in his actions. He's taking care of his own. For the last three months, I've been privileged to work alongside some of the most selfless people in this county. It has been remarkable. I have watched Will Keller and his crew, Craig Walker, who is with us this morning. I've watched Will Keller and Craig and their crew give of themselves tirelessly to protect us. To get the right information and the right approach and the right strategy so that we in this county 
will be protected. I've watched as, as Ashley Wooten, our county manager, has done what he can to rally all of his crew and to shift people around everywhere and job responsibilities just to cover and provide and protect. I've watched Alan Lawrence, the, the chief of police in, in Marion. I've watched Ricky Buchanan, who's a member of our church family here, the sheriff. I've watched them work uh, tirelessly uh, to make sure that we as a county were protected. I have watched Mark Garrett, our superintendent of schools, scramble and work to make sure kids got fed, teachers got covered, situations got handled. Remember being on more than one call early on in all of this that's going on. And I remember being on more than one call, but I remember being on one specific call where I, early in this process, was tasked with one specific task to be the food coordinator for our whole county just a simple job description, make sure nobody goes without food. And we had a supply chain issue, and I remember being on a phone call with food suppliers from Western North Carolina, and I got off that call and sat at home in my study, working from home then, and wept. And I thought, Lord, we have to get food into here. If we don't, there are people who will go without. And God provided. This is what good dads do. This is what good leaders do. This is what Jehoshaphat did. He saved up now for later. He built store cities. Notice, he went into cities with the word of God, and he went into cities with food. His soldiers are numbered here. A million, a hundred and eighty thousand troops he mustered. Young king. If Ezra wrote these as he's looking back on the history of his people, he had to be smiling. Enjoy God's blessings. Seek God, teach his word, and enjoy his blessings. Dads, pretty simple. Pretty simple. No need to overcomplicate it. Be the path to God. Teach your kids his word. And as your kids grow, as you age, enjoy the fruit of your labor. Jehoshaphat was great because God made him great. That's clear. In none of this does Ezra say, Jehoshaphat did this. God did this. Jehoshaphat simply 
sought God, taught his word, and then enjoyed his blessings. As we think at this moment in history, I want to say a couple of things. God raised up Jehoshaphat for that time. And he has raised you up for now. It is no accident that you are alive today. The hope, the hope for today is Christ in you. You, as God works through you, are our hope. That's our hope. If that is true, our hope is not found in political leaders, in power plays, in rhetoric. It never has and it never will. I will point you to the greatest hope hero of all times, born in the most unlikely situation. I've been to Israel. I've seen what they think could have been a home of someone in Nazareth. It was a cave. They built a church over it to memorialize it. Most likely, the greatest hope hero of all time lived in a cave. He grew up on the wrong side of the tracks and followed his father's will to the end. He was more silent than loud. He acted more than he spoke. He was led like a lamb who before his shearers is silent and he opened not his mouth. The most selfless words he ever spoke were from the cross where he cared for his mother He missed his father, and he forgave his crucifiers. He is the one we follow. He died for you. He rose from the dead. And he lives today to intercede for all believers. He's coming back. In addition to his work for the church, he has a general work which he still does according to Colossians 1. He calls the sun to come up this morning. 
He holds the universe together. He put breath in your lungs. He is the reason we live and move and have our being. His name is Jesus. And I would strongly encourage you, if you've never trusted him, to give your life to him today, to lay down your life like he did his, to trust him. And then once you do, seek him, teach his word, and enjoy the blessings. Lord, Jesus, who on this Father's Day in our country reminds us that you were obedient to yours to the end. Thank you. Your life is worth living. Your love is worth giving. Your death is worth telling. Your resurrection is worth praising. Your return is worth anticipating. In your name we pray. Amen.